Hi, I'm Mitchell, and you're listening to a Public Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this talk. Thanks for listening. What an awesome Sunday. If this is your first time here, we would love to connect with you, online family. You can just go to our website, publicchurch.com, and fill out a connect card. If you are in the room, there is a card located in the seat back in front of you. And if you take that to the info hub, then we have a gift for you. Now, I'm not sure if you're aware of this, but November is actually Adoption Awareness Month, and today is Orphan Sunday. When we talk about adopting and fostering, know this, adopting and fostering, that reflects the heart of God, exudes the vision of public church. And so several weeks ago, we asked families who had either in the past, present, or are working towards fostering adopted, hey, let us know who you are. And we know of 16 families in our church family. Can we honor those 16 families? They're reflecting the heart of our Father. And we're not just clapping for them. We have actually provided for them a gift card today. There's all kinds of extra expenses when you take that step into fostering or adopting. So it's just a way for us to tangibly be for them and say that we support them. I know this is super special for me because Monday was my, um, was my special day where I was adopted. And I'm just, my mom and dad watch and thank you for being generous and opening up your home and showing me Jesus and I'm here because because of you. And so I just, special to me, and I just love and am so thankful for all of you who have fostered and who have adopted. So today is Beyond Sunday, and if you walked in today and you're like, these people are excited about something, but I don't know what's going on, I just want to take a moment and explain it to you. Our phrase for today is that generosity accelerates vision. And so the vision is actually going to be on the screen, and I'd love for us to all read it together. Ready, go. Create spaces where Jesus impacts people beyond the room. So what we are doing is we are, we're building. But that goes back to 2014 when we launched and we met at Bradley Central High School. And then God gifted us these 6.2 acres. You catch that? Gifted us these 6.2 acres of prime real estate right in the middle of Cleveland. And we renovated this building that we've outgrown in every way that you can outgrow it. And now it's just a matter of saying, all right, God, how can we leverage the 6.2 acres that you've given us for your glory? And the point is not a building. The point is life change and impact beyond the room. In fact, in your seat, you've got this awesome map. And you're like, well, what is the project? Well, what we're doing initially is we're having kids spaces. We're not just thinking about those rooms. We're thinking about the families that are going to be impacted by what happens to those kids in that room. A brand new lobby where people can make connections and find the community that they've been looking for. We're thinking about expanding this gathering space and more people coming in to experience Jesus and be changed by Him just like we are. So we're really excited, but I know, I know that some of you have been in settings like this on even days like this, and you may have some apprehension in you. As you think about generosity and finances, you'll be like, I'm a little nervous because somebody might have applied pressure and guilt to you at some point. And if so, I just want to say, I'm sorry. That's not the way of Jesus. Because today there's no pressure. There's just an atmosphere of joy. And why is there joy? Because God's our provider. And what God originates, God orchestrates. So we just get to be part of His provision, but there is zero pressure on us. We just get to have joy at the fact that God includes us in what He's doing and in the lives He's going to change. So to help us set the tone even more for the day, David Harkins is going to come up. Can you guys honor David? 
David is a mentor of mine, just period, but especially in the Beyond Project, I've leaned on him. He's a former executive pastor, missions pastor. He's a professor at Lee, Dr. David Harkins, chemistry. And he and his wife um, taught at a university in two closed countries that are hostile to the gospel. And David just has a lot of wisdom. So if you just share your thoughts on today. Okay. Well, today, um, beyond Sunday, we're invited to participate in what God's doing here. And the way that he uh, asks us to participate is by using the things that he's put in our hands. Today, uh, I have a particular story in my mind, and that's the story about Moses. A lot of people in this room know that story. And remember, whenever God first called Moses to do what he wanted him to do, uh, they had some back and forth about that. He didn't believe he could be the guy to do that thing. And God said, uh, what is that in your hand? And Moses said, it's a staff. I have a stick in my hand. And God said, uh, throw it down. And whenever he threw it down, it became a snake. And I love the fact that the story says it became a snake and Moses ran from it. He, he totally did not expect that to happen, you know? Uh, but then God told him to pick it up and it became a staff again. Uh, and after some conversation, Moses did what God said. And so later in the chapter where it says that story, uh, it says that Moses went back to Egypt and Moses took the staff of God in his hand. It was not just his stick anymore. It was the staff of God. And with the staff of God, a whole lot of things happened that, that never would have been expected any other way. And today, I, I have in my mind that there are a lot of things that, that God could call for us to let go that way. It could be a, a job, or it could be a relationship, or it could be a bunch of money. And whatever it is, if we are willing to drop it, to let it go, to turn it over to Him and let Him do what only He can do, then that's how we see our best life. Because... He really is the King of Kings. Right. That's awesome. Mm. Thank you, David, for so clearly just setting the tone. And as we just continue, we're going to sing a song that the team introduced at worship night, and it's called Believe For It. Last week, I shared that we had received some numbers on the Beyond Project that were bigger than we thought, which meant the gap between now and breaking ground is farther away than we thought it was. But... What I've been reminded of is those numbers are bigger than we thought, but our God is also bigger than we thought. And so this is a song that for me has been a weapon in my worship that I've leveraged just to, to fight for faith and to trust that we don't have to worry because God has got us. So maybe for you, it's that family member whose salvation you've been praying for and praying for and praying for and praying for. Maybe it's restoration amongst family or relationship and you've been praying and praying and praying. So let this song be a weapon in your arsenal to build up your faith and to believe that just because God hasn't done it yet, it doesn't mean he can't. And as we just stand to sing in just a moment, I just want to acknowledge as you guys stand up that there might be some of you guys, you guys can go ahead and stand. Like, are you sure? I'm so confused. I do want to take a moment before we sing and acknowledge some of you may not be able to sing these words right now. I just want to say, let the rest of us sing in faith over you. So please just join me in prayer. Jesus, it is about your name and we just praise you. We lift our eyes to you. We find hope in you. We just ask that you would change us. And as we take our next steps in this journey, we just say now to him who is able 
to do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine according to your power. That same power that as you were dying on the cross, you made the spiritual forces of darkness prisoners of order in your prisoners of war in your victory parade, Jesus. That same power that conquered death when you got up from the grave, it is that power that everything happens through. And to you be glory, Father, in your church and in your son Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. You guys can have a seat. Wow. Such a special day. If we haven't met, my name is Todd, and, and thank you so much for being here online or in the room. And I just want to start by a show of hands. I'm just curious. How many of you would love to be known as stingy? Just raise that hand up high and proud. You want everybody to look at you and be like, she squeaks when she walks, okay? Anybody stingy? All right, now just raise your hand if you would like to be known as generous. Hands held high. Shocking. Lots of hands for the second one, not a lot of hands for the first one. So the thing is, we want to be generous, don't we? The problem is, when it comes to generosity, there's a lot of admiration of generous people, but there's sometimes a lack of application. Like we, we want to be known as generous, especially, maybe even more than being generous, but that's a motive conversation we could have another day. We really want to be the type of people that are, that are generous and, and give to others and are open-handed with the resources that we have, and yet we get swept up in greed, and we want this, and you know, inflation, and all these things are so high, and the holidays are coming up, and, and how can I be generous, and how can I give, and if I just had more, then I would give more, and I mean, we all have our own excuses, don't we? And then we hear these stories of generous people, and we're like, inspired, and again, there's inspiration, but then there's no application <laughs> as we don't really make the changes that we need to make to live a generous lifestyle. So what we want to do is we want to talk about today and we want to anchor beyond Sunday and today in a pivotal passage in the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 9. If you have your Bible or Bible app, you want to go there. We want to talk about how do we actually be the generous people that we want to be. And Jesus is going to show us a path forward. So again, in 2 Corinthians 9, if you want to be there. And as we talk about generosity, here, here's a qualifier from the beginning. Generosity is obviously more than just financial. It includes our time. It includes our abilities. But, but know this, generosity is more than finances, but it's not less. And sometimes because of the awkwardness associated with discussing finances, we can talk a lot about being generous with our time and generous with our abilities. And we're like, and generous with our money. Generous with our money. Generous. You know, like we just kind of shy away from it. So what we've been doing as a church is we, we talk a whole lot about time and abilities and how to steward that well. And so what we're saying is let's take some time and let's talk specifically about this often neglected aspect of generosity, which is our finances. And as we do that, we begin with the biblical principle that we established last week, which is our role versus God's role. And that's going to be on the screen for us. So again, just to try to drill this into our head, I'm going to say God's role, and you say what's next, and I'll say our role, and you say what's next. So God's role, our role, okay, good. So that means what's a steward? So last week, we talked about this definition. A steward is a manager of resources and a personal representative. So to help us understand that, in 1 Corinthians 4, 7, here's what Paul says. Before we get to 2 Corinthians 9, Paul writes this, for, for who makes you different from anyone else? And I love this. What do you have that you did not receive? Like, like let that sink in for a second. What do you have that you did not receive? 
And if you did receive it, why do you boast as though you did not? Great question, Paul. His point is, God's the owner and we're stewards. In other words, every single resource we have, we received it. But, but, but I worked hard at it and I've earned it. Yes, who gave you the ability to work hard? Because not everybody has the actual physical ability to go do the jobs that we do. That's from God. Like, like he's the owner. So, so we're stewards, which means we're accountable, but not responsible. Owners live like this. Stewards live like this. Stewards are open-handed. Okay, God, what have you put in my hand? What abilities have you given me that allow these things to be put in my hand to work hard? And then what have you put in my hand? And then what do you want me to do with it? Because I'm just going to be accountable with what you've put there and what you ask me to do with it. So, so that can help us as we dive in. And then as we're thinking specifically about the Beyond Project, just to address attention, because it's like, okay, well, generosity is bigger than Beyond Project. And then I would say, duh, understand this. The Beyond Project is not the end. It's a means to an end. It's not only the, it's not even the means to an end. Just a means to an end, which raises the question, what is the end? The end is life change. Like what God wants to do is he wants to use the Beyond Project to both change us and change others through us. How does he want to change us? He wants today to be a catalyst towards a lifestyle of generosity for all of us. And then as we're investing in life change, what he's going to do is in this new building, he's going to change people through what happens in that space. So, so keep in mind, the Beyond Project, it's not the end. It is a means to an end, and that end is life change orchestrated by Jesus. And so with that in mind, let's, let's dive in to 2 Corinthians 9, and let's see what Paul is going to say about how is it that we actually live generous lives. And he says this in verse 6, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Here what he's doing is he's giving us a biblical principle that you reap what you sow. It's hard to sow something or it's hard to reap something you haven't sown. And so he says, let's pay attention to what we're sowing. And before we think Paul's getting all prosperity, if you look at chapter 814, here's what he means by this. He's saying, at the present time, your plenty will supply what they need. So in turn, their plenty will supply what you need. In other words, what Paul's doing by this is he's trying to get us in reciprocal relationships with people, where when God has put more in our hand than we need, we bless others with it. And when we're in need and God's put more in somebody else's hands, they're going to bless us with it. Does that make sense? That we just simply sow generously. He goes on to say this, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I kind of thought some people would clap there. Thank you, yes. Because too often we skip over this verse on days like today, and we read it like this. Each of you should give what we have put pressure and guilted you into giving so we can break ground, otherwise it's your fault and God will judge you. That's not the Bible, people. God says it's not about pressure, it's about being led by the Holy Spirit. There's no pressure today. God's our provider. He is Jaira. He's going to provide all we need. That's one of the names of God. What God orchestrates, where God originates, he will orchestrate. He's given us this vision. He's going to fulfill the vision. We just get to be a part of his provision. There's, there's joy, and that's what it says here. For God loves a cheerful 
giver. So I'm going to be honest with you. If today you've come in planning to give and you feel compulsion or guilt or regret about that, don't give. Don't pledge. Wait until you get to a place in your heart where there is joy coming from it. And I mean, God has put this in my hand. He's given me a chance to give and pledge. I mean, I'm fired up about it. That's the kind of attitude that God wants us to have. That's how we sustain a lifestyle of generosity. We can guilt ourselves into a moment of giving, but we can't guilt ourselves into a lifestyle of generosity. But the Holy Spirit can lead us to that. Because there's so much joy. Here's a quote from J.D. Greer that actually I have people red team the talks, which is review it before I give it to give me feedback. And, and this quote was sent to me. J.D. Greer says, God wants us to have joy, but contrary to what we are conditioned to believe by our culture, joy does not come by collecting and spending. Joy comes through giving and trusting. <laughs> Isn't that good? God's simply inviting us into a lifestyle of joy that is a lifestyle of generosity. And the reason we can have so much joy and the reason there's no pressure is because verse 8 says, God is able. Could we just say that together? Ready, go. God is able. One more time like we believe it. God is able. God is able to bless you abundantly so in all things at all times, having all that you need, you abound in every good work. Now, prosperity version of this verse says you abound in your bank account. It doesn't say that. It says you abound in every good work. In other words, when God asks us to be generous, he's going to provide all we need to be generous. He is able. We read last week, he owns the cattle on a thousand hills. Everything is sourced in him. We simply are conduits of what he's giving. I love how N.T. Wright phrases this in his translation of the New Testament, 2 Corinthians 9, 8. He says this, God is well able. Come on, somebody. <laughs> He's not just able, he's well able to lavish his grace upon us or upon you. So in every manner and in every way, you will have enough of everything and may be lavish in all your good works. In other words, God lavishes on us so we can lavish on others. And notice the end of this, it says, in all good works. It doesn't say in just the beyond project alone. So we got to face this reality. If we have a quote unquote great day today, and we're very generous here, and we go to lunch and we don't tip, we failed. We've missed it. It's not about an action, it's about a lifestyle that God's trying to develop in us, where he lavishes on us, and he provides all we need because he is able, so we can then lavish on others and be generous towards others, and there's joy that comes from this. And then if you look at the next verse, it says, as it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor. Their righteousness endures forever. Righteousness means doing what God requires. A part of doing what God requires is being generous. There, there's no version of following Jesus we're stinginess as an attribute. But yet if we read scripture and we're honest with ourselves, investing generously is a core habit of Jesus' followers. And just to zoom out for just a moment, Paul, he's so brilliant in how he writes this. What he's actually done in these past couple of verses is he's quoted from Proverbs 22 and he's quoted from Psalms 112. And he wants us to know this idea of a cheerful giver of a generous, cheerful giver. Like that is thoroughly Old Testament. It's rooted in the first portion of the Bible. It's a very Jewish idea. And essentially, and maybe you want to do this. I did this in preparation. It was really helpful. It's take some time and just read all of Proverbs 22. That's really what Paul wants. Take some time and read all of Psalm 112. 
As we read Proverbs 22 and Psalm 112, we'll see what it looks like to be generous in our lifestyles. And Paul wants us to find a new identity in Jesus followers as people who are generous, period. That's why he's quoting this. And he's giving us these pictures from the Old Testament of here's what it looks like to really adopt this lifestyle of generosity. And then he goes on to say this, verse 10, now he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. I told you Paul was brilliant and an inspiration of the Holy Spirit. He just goes next level here. What we may not realize is that when he talks about supplying the seed, he's actually quoting Isaiah 55, which is where we began our series. Just want to read to you the first part of Isaiah 55, verses one through three. This is what Paul's quoting. Here's the invitation. It's going to be on the screen. Check this out. Just internalize this. God speaking. God says, is anyone thirsty? Come and drink. Even if you have no money. Do you hear the generosity of our father? He goes on to say, come take your choice of wine or milk. It's all free. Why spend your money on food that does not give you strength? Why pay for food that does you no good? He says, listen to me and you will eat what is good. You'll enjoy the finest food. God says, come to me with your ears wide open. Listen and you will find life. In other words, what's the heart of our father? It's generosity towards us. So when we're generous, we're just simply reflecting the heart of the father. God lavishes on us so we can lavish on others. And then what Paul is really quoting is he's quoting this last part in verse 10, where Isaiah writes this, the rain and snow, they come down from the heavens and they stay on the ground to water the earth. They cause the grain to grow, producing seed for the farmer and bread for the hungry. Pause. It's a reminder that God's the owner. God's the seed supplier. (laughs) He's the one that provides all that we have. And notice what God does with it. He's also the one that causes the growth. And so that I love what it says next. It says, it is the same with my word. I send it out and it always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to. And it will prosper everywhere I send it. In other words, God is inviting us just to be generous as a lifestyle. And when we're generous as a lifestyle, he guarantees there will be fruit from that. Not necessarily fruit in our bank accounts, but fruit of life change. You following me? Because it's his word. Let's say and be generous. He's like, look, I provide the seed and then you sow the seed and I provide the growth. And he's saying, so I'm providing the finances and you sow the finances and I'll provide the growth and I'm going to change lives through it. It's this concept of E-R-O-I. R-O-I is a financial term, return on investment. If you invest anything, it's wise to maximize your return. You want to make sure that whatever you're investing in, that you're going to get more out of it than what you put into it. And so what God tells us to do is to have an eternal return on investment, that we make an investment that doesn't just have a return on earth in our bank account, that has a return in heaven. Because we invest in the work of God. You know what happens? People get saved and they end up spending their eternities in heaven with Jesus. And we're part of that. That is an eternal return on investment. And so as we think about a lifestyle of generosity, that's what he's asking us to do. And that's what he means here. By at the very end, he says, he will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. He will grow our E-R-O-I. Isn't that amazing? To think that one day there are going to be people in heaven that come up to us that we never met on this side of eternity. And that, thank you. But thank you for giving to Shepherd's Heart International. Because I was one of those orphans 
that you're giving supported. And through the care of Shepherd's Heart International, they're one of our partners in Kenya, through the, the, uh, the work of Shepherd's Heart International, I found Jesus and was changed by him. And that's the type of generosity we're after, and God's saying, I'm going to give you that E-R-O-I if you'll do things my way. And then he says in verse 11, you'll be enriched in every way so you can be generous on every occasion, and through us, your generosity result in thanksgiving to God. Paul wants us to understand God is the one enriching us so that we can be generous. Ephesians 4.28, you should check it out. It says, hey, tell the thief to stop stealing. And then the why is not just so it's bad to steal, it says, so that way he can do something good with his hands so he can share with those in need. Whew. So I want to teach people not to steal so they can produce something good so they can be a conduit of blessing to other people. Huh. This is the way of the kingdom of God. And this is what it's talking about. And then it says this, that because of our generosity, people are going to worship Jesus. Do you catch that? That our generosity produces an overflow in many expressions of thanks to God. He says it again in verse 13, because of the service by which you have proved yourselves, others will praise God for the obedience that accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your generosity in sharing with them and with everyone else. That is a mouthful, but it is packed. Here's what Paul's saying, that people are going to praise Jesus, because of our generosity. Like, like, well, what's the ultimate? If we just pare it down, what's the ultimate result of us being generous? Glory to God. The people are changed by Jesus, and as a result, they are proclaiming over their lives, Jesus, you are the King of kings. There is no other name but yours. And they are changed both on this earth and for eternity. That's the result of our generosity. And, and then, again, this is so layered. It says that, our obedience accompanies your confession of the gospel of Christ. You're like, oh, what's, what's going on here? In other words, generosity is an expression of the gospel. Why is generosity an expression of the gospel? Because what is the gospel? For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. That Jesus, though he was rich, he became poor us, that we might experience the riches of God. In other words, when we are generous, we are simply living out and reflecting the gospel and pointing people back to the gospel. That's what Paul's saying to this group here. He's saying, when you're going to choose to be generous, what you're doing is you're just pointing people back to the gospel. And the only reason we can even glorify God is because of the gospel, because Jesus died and rose again. And this is incredible. And then he ends that your generosity in sharing with them, this word means basically forming a partnership. Like when we are generous, we enter into a partnership with people that we may not even know. You ever thought about that? Like I, there's going to be people 30, 40 years from now that a lot of us will never meet. And they're going to bring their kids in that new space and their kids are going to go home, and they're going to tell their mom and dad about Jesus who don't follow Jesus, and their mom and dad are going to blow them off. But over time, the Holy Spirit's going to do a work, and those people are going to follow Jesus, and a whole family is going to be changed. And even though we've never actually met them, our generosity, we've partnered with them in that eternal return on investment. You get that? Isn't that incredible? That's what Paul's saying here, is that when we're generous, we're actually entering into a partnership in God's work in their lives with them. 
It's absolutely incredible. And it's like, okay, so why should we be generous? Paul is laying it out so clearly. And then he says this, in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. In other words, they're going to be so thankful and they're going to pray for you because of the literal beyond grace that God has poured out on you and through you. And then he says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. Who is that gift? Jesus. Paul ends this incredible teaching on generosity reminding us it's all about the name of Jesus. Isn't this incredible? And so as we think about what does it mean to live a lifestyle of generosity, but before we get to the Beyond Project, let's just zoom out and look at our lives. I wrote some questions that kind of haunt me, and so I didn't want to be alone in this, and I thought they could haunt you too, because I love you. Can't you tell? So here's some questions I think this scripture leads us to ask. Does my lifestyle reflect generosity or stinginess? Remember, we can give and pledge, but if we go to lunch and don't tip well, if we go to work tomorrow, people just say, oh, they're stingy. Like, we failed. We've missed it. We've done an act. We've missed the lifestyle. If giving this Sunday is the exception rather than the rule in our lives, we've missed it, haven't we? Because generosity should be the rule. If someone, this one really gets me, if someone were to analyze our financial decisions and compare them to 2 Corinthians 9, 6 through 15, where would the gaps be? Do I reflect the generosity of Jesus or not? Suppose I lie to myself, how would those closest to me assess my stewardship? If we were to look at our financial decisions year to date, What's our E-R-O-I year to date? Have we invested in the eternal year to date? And then finally, the Scott Ford principle. Scott's over here. We talked about this last week. It's going to be on the screen. If we take care of little things, the big things will take care of themselves. I say it's from Jesus because Scott taught it to me, but Jesus said it in Matthew 25 and Luke 16. As we think through those questions, here's what we have to understand. In the context of our lives, beyond Sunday, this is a little thing. Okay? The lifestyle of generosity is the big thing. So, so what God wants us to do is, is to not focus on this little thing. This is just part, this is one of the little things in our lives, but also tipping well is a little thing. And if we have the opportunity to influence how people are paid that work under us, making sure they are paid well, that's a little thing, that's generosity. You see what I'm saying? Like there's all these little things, and you know what the big thing? The big thing is a lifestyle of generosity. The big thing is the vision God's given us. And if we will just steward well the little things, the big things will take care of themselves. And maybe you're like, man, I don't have a lot. It's the perfect time to start. Because it's way easier to be generous when those numbers are smaller than it is to wait until they're bigger and try to do it. And so just a very practical question and potential exercise for all of us is what if, again, it's bigger than just today, what if sometime in the next month we calculated all of our generosity to Jesus' church, beyond Jesus' church, we calculated all of our generosity for this year and we figured out what percentage of our overall income we've given away? What if we just did that? Just, just face the facts. Some of us would be happy. Some of us would be embarrassed. That's okay. Just face the facts. What percentage of my, our overall income have we actually invested generously somewhere? 
And then what if we said, Holy Spirit, how do you want this percentage to change next year? And maybe it's just a 1% increase. And maybe for some of you, it's zero to one. There's no guilt here. It's just an invitation into a lifestyle of generosity. Maybe for some of you, it's 15 to 17. I, I don't know what that is, but just to say, okay, how am I actually being generous as a lifestyle? And then Holy Spirit, how do you want me to change that for 2023? That, that's the type of questions that God wants us to ask. And then when it comes to this specific opportunity with the Beyond Project, all of that just falls under those questions. This is, today is simply an opportunity, a catalyst, if you will, towards this lifestyle of generosity. So as we're inviting you to invest in the eternal, some EROI of life change here, make sure it's part of an overall lifestyle that God's wanting to lead us towards. And how do we know that the Beyond Project is gonna give us EROI? How do we know it's that kind of investment? I actually had a letter from a grandparent that I wanted to read to you. It's not long. But here's what a grandparent wrote about the Beyond Project. This grandparent said, public church family, we are contributing to the Beyond Project in honor of our three grandchildren. We believe public church is scripturally based and our grandchildren are learning scriptures and learning about God and Jesus and we are making this contribution for their future learning of the scriptures and pray that they will accept Jesus as their savior when the time comes. Eternal return on investment. And then they just said, we would like to challenge all grandparents to contribute for the future of your grandchildren and ours. Eternal return on investment. No pressure, just an invitation. Isn't that incredible? That that's the opportunity before us. So, so how do we do it? We've talked practically in our lifestyle. But we do that as we analyze our overall generosity and look at increasing that. But for today, how do we do this? You actually have in your seat, you have this little card that has the vision on it to remind us that it is about life change. And so what we're gonna do in just a little bit is we're gonna have an opportunity to drop this in a box outside. I hope you brought your jacket. I'll explain that in just a minute. But on the back of it, it's got your name, your phone number, today's gift, your total 2023 pledge. Again, only do this if the Holy Spirit's leading. The Holy Spirit's leading you. Look, this should be so joyful for you to get to do. And so you just simply write your gift. If you're like me and the three of us in here write checks, then we can just put our check in this, <laughs> in the gift box. For all the rest of you, you give on push pay. You just give on push pay. You can scan the QR code if you need to do that to get there. It's in the seat in front of you. And you can just give your gift. And then there's an opportunity to do a 2023 pledge. It's like, well, what's a pledge? It's a one-year generosity commitment. Here's the key, to God. It's not a public church, it's to God. Beyond your typical giving. You just say, God, you're leading me to next year invest more than I have before. And so this is a commitment I'm making, not, not to the church, I'm making this to God. So count the cost before you do that because God is wanting to grow us in a lifestyle. And as we fulfill that pledge, for those of us who've pledged and fulfilled that pledge over this year, you know what? Our faith has grown. Our trust has grown. God has done a work inside of us throughout this year as we have fulfilled the commitment to God that he challenged us to make last year. And so now he's inviting us to do that again. And then how we're gonna end today and we're not there yet. We've got a video in just a minute. But before we end, but as we end today, we're actually going to go outside and we're going to do three things. 
we're going to have an opportunity to invest, to pray, and to sing. I am so excited about what we're going to do because we get to go outside and there's going to be boxes that kids have made. And we get to drop this in as an act of worship so that we can invest generously in an eternal return on investment. Again, there's joy in this. If you're not a place of joy, then don't do it yet. We'll get to invest. And then, I love this, our property team has actually mapped out the exterior of the building. So we're going to get to walk out there and visualize this building where people are going to be changed. And not only that, they went ahead and did phase two, which would be a new gathering space. Just to expand our vision even more. And so we're going to get to go prayer walk in spaces where kids are going to be, where people are going to be, and we can go ahead and check this out. Ahead of time, go, thank you, Jesus, because where I'm standing, somebody's life is going to be changed for you. Isn't that awesome? That we can thank him ahead of time as we can prayer walk over that space. And then John Ogle, one of our prayer team leaders, he's going to lead us in a big prayer over it, and the public worship is going to lead us to sing a song of just worship to Jesus out there. What an opportunity we have. But before we get there, if you're still wondering, okay, what's this eternal return on investment? I want to make sure there's something tangible here. Our team has prepared a video. Last week, we saw Kelsey's story. They really focused on her moving from California to here and finding the church that she'd really always longed for and how serving on public teams has changed her. And there's three more videos today about other areas of our church as we just asked people, hey, what, what's the impact beyond us in your life? How is Jesus changing you through public church? So enjoy this video, a little glimpse of eternal return on investment. My name's Scott Ford. I work at Holston Gases, and I've been coming to public church about five years. Public worship is a vessel that Jesus uses to pour out his presence during our gatherings. And you know, I just feel blessed to be a part of that and get to experience that on a regular basis. Todd preaches on Jesus changing everything. And you know, one of the ways that he's changed me is this through the way I worship, and public worship is a part of that. I never want the music to end at the end of a service. I just want them to keep on singing. And my mother relocated to heaven just a little over two years ago. And you know, I can't think of a time during worship that I don't think about my mom. And you know, I think we're doing the same thing right now. And you know, that's what heaven's going to be all about, praising Jesus. And I think we get a glimpse of heaven pretty much every Sunday. Hi, I'm Alan Butler, and this is my wife, Joanna. Um, we've been attending public church for about the last eight years um, and serving with public kids since we moved into our current campus about seven years ago. Um, we love serving with public kids. Uh, we really feel like um, it's an opportunity to just recharge us. It's something that uh, we feel we're talented and gifted in the Lord has placed on our hearts. Um, we've served with children before we came to public church and we knew that when we got here, the Lord was still calling us to use those gifts and talents to serve him here. Um, so we love the opportunity that we have each Sunday to come in and just um, see the God's word through fresh lenses, through the eyes of a child. And that really bolsters our faith in the Lord. At public church, we have served in many different age groups and had many different responsibilities and roles. Um, and served in different capacities. Um, but while we've served in these different capacities and age groups, it doesn't matter what age group it is. We um, feel closest to the Lord when we're teaching the kids about Jesus and His love for them and what He can do for them. And through their faith, it teaches us 
to look through the Bible and biblical stories through their eyes and clean lenses. And it's just so refreshing um, to see Bible stories come alive in a way that you might not have thought before. And while we have served at Public Church, we've been able to bring our own children alongside us to serve um, from time to time. And it's just been, we're very grateful and it's been rewarding to see our church um, that is primarily focused on serving and truly um, showing God's love and feet and, hand, and being the feet and hands of Jesus, not only to our church and community, but worldwide. Hi, my name is Chloe, and I own a small cookie bakery um, from home. When I first started coming to public church this past summer, I was really burnt out from serving in my former church still, and all that I wanted to do was just focus on deepening my relationship with God, which was something that I had really let slip through the cracks for a long time. Um, but as much as I wanted to just focus on myself and go unnoticed, I knew deep down that God created us to be with others and that the way that I was participating up until that point was unsustainable for me. Um, but not long after that realization, I was invited to a women's community group and I spent probably the entire next day trying and failing to come up with a reason not to go. But I couldn't, so I went, and I'm so grateful that I did. I don't understand how I got so lucky with such an amazing group of women to share my life and study the Bible with. I was welcomed in immediately, and I know that sounds really cliche and maybe a little bit disingenuous, but I really do mean it when I say I was welcomed in with such joy. I. Every week I get to join this group of women that's founded on scripture and my faith is deepened every time I leave. And I'm just so grateful that for these ladies that I get to share my life and pray and worship and fellowship with every week. Can we praise Jesus for that life change? Now that's E-R-O-I and we are investing in more of that. So we're going to have just this privilege, this opportunity to give. So just to, again, recap what we're going to have an opportunity to do, we'll get a chance to go outside just to drop this card in the giving box. And then again, the property is outlined, it's painted. I just encourage you just to walk around, just walk the exterior and, and thank God for what he's going to do and pray for that life change that's going to be there. Parents of kids who are five and up, that your kids are in the annex, they will be under the awning. Go get your kids because parents, we want you to have this opportunity to give with your kids. Like I cannot wait to give with my boys and to share this special moment with them for Whitney and I to have with them. So get your kids. If you have kids upstairs, leave them. They need to finish the lesson. We'll get them later. <laughs> but for all of us, we're just going to go outside. Take your time. If you need to sit here, if you need to give, if you need to fill out your card, and online family, there's going to be some instructions on the screen for you of how you can participate with us as well. But what an opportunity. And when we're ready, let's just step into the joy of giving. Thanks for joining us today. We'd love to connect with you on any of our social medias, at a public church, or through our app or website, publicchurch.com. 
To give towards the vision of Public Church, you can do so through our app or website via PushPay or by texting Public Church in all caps and no space to 77977. Again, thanks for listening 